Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Psychic's Thoughts. So, this one's going to be weird, and it's probably going to go off as it usually does on some very odd tangents, because I only know so much about this. I've been researching, I've been keeping an eye on it, so I'm not just, like, just making shit up as I go. But, um, I'll probably talk on and on and connect it to other things, so... Today's topic is Epic Games, not in the term, uh, in a vague usage of, oh, that game was epic. No, no, no. The company Epic Games, in charge of many things, like the Epic Games storefront, Fortnite, <laughs> and uh, Unreal Engine, and the massive growth under the radar and above the radar that they've been having for the past five years, and where I think they could be in the next five years. So let's get into it. So for those of you who don't know, Epic Games is a developer and publisher of video games. They're also now their own storefront and they're just trying to control every piece of entertainment in terms of gaming that they can. And so unlike taking an approach like Microsoft or Sony or Nintendo or Activision even or Bethesda or any of your favorite devs and publishers, EA, Ubisoft. You know, they were making small games, publishing them in the 90s, computer games and such, and they started to kind of just back more and more. Then they put their money behind a game called Fortnite. Well, they actually developed it from scratch. It's their own original IP, and they, you know, they were making a lot of original IP, and they weren't doing too shabby. Right? They've had some notable successes. Um, but it wasn't massive. It wasn't, well, okay, it was massive, right? Because they were founded in, um, they were founded in 1991. And they were originally called Potomac Computer Systems. And then they changed their name to Epic Mega Games Inc. in 92 to 99. Right, a private company from Maryland. Um, but it gets more interesting than that. This is a company that I think a lot more people should keep an eye on. So, they... They developed um, the strategy to unilaterally move in multiple directions. And the biggest way for them to have a stake in other games and literally own percentage of those games was build an engine that was so efficient and so universally beloved that developers from multiple studios, publishers, and others utilize it. The most notable... In 2014, when they started rolling out this engine, Gears of War started using it, and the very, very popular Infinity Blade mobile game series utilized it on a much more scaled-down way. Now, I never played Gears of War at that age, just too busy playing Halo and other games. <laughs> Don't kill me, okay? I still gotta go through and play them. Um, it seems like a great franchise. Now, the interesting thing is that... Uh, 
Infinity Blade, though. <laughs> I did play a shit ton of that. Let me tell you guys. Uh, if anybody here listening has played Infinity Blade on mobile devices, iPad, uh, uh, iPhone, any iOS, and I believe it was on Android, too. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, so, if anyone has played that, please DM me. Because it's just an absolutely incredible mobile game. There's really nothing like it. So, the, those games were kind of weird because, I mean, they came out in like 2013, 14, 15. There are three of them. And this is before games were, f like all these cool games were free and had microtransactions. This game, sure, it had microtransactions, but you had to pay a premium to get the game. I think the first one was like two bucks. Heavily worth it. And I wish... They didn't remove it from the app store. You can't play them anymore. I don't know why. And it hurts me to this day because it is still... I would re-download all three. I would rebuy them. I'd pay 10 bucks to rebuy them. They are some of the best designed mo mobile games I've ever played. They've got exploration. Very light exploration. The controls are seamless and fluid. You do combos. You play this very cool knight design with a sword and you just handle these very unique bosses. It is a very scaled down version of an Elden Ring Dark Souls-esque with less control. It was a little on the rails, but it wasn't in a, not in a bad way. It's hard to explain it, but go look up Infinity Blade. The graphics, the gameplay, the art design, the voiceover work, and the amount you can play this game for uh, considering how long it was, like the depth of it, especially between when you count all three trilogies as each sequel added more to it. Fucking phenomenal. I haven't played a mobile game as good since then. I have played Call of Duty Mobile, and I do want to give them props where props is due. That game is incredible. Um, Clash of Clans, Clash Royale, those are great too. Mobile games are very odd, um, very, very odd marketplace, and very complex to understand. And I actually, you know what? That's my next topic for next time. I'm going to make a whole podcast on mobile games. I can't believe I never have. I've been a mobile gamer for a while, too. Not as consistently as other games, but I dibble-dabble. I try them out. I like some. And I used and I had a phase when I was younger, my teenage years, where I really played mobile games. Couldn't get enough of them. And I was exploring them and learning about them. So I actually have a lot of wisdom in that area. So I'd love to impart that maybe on another episode. So keep your eyes and ears glued to this channel to find that. Uh, down the road. I might record it later today. Who knows? So anyway, Infinity Blade was a great, great mobile game. So Gears of War that, and a handful of other smaller games under their belt in terms of their Unreal Engine, which was growing in popularity and usability. Then they acquired a handful of game studios. Psionics. Um, uh, what else? Psionics. Mediatonic. Harmonics. And then Tencent acquired 48% of them, uh, of some of their operations, and, uh, and it kind of evened out to a total of 40% of the entire company in 2012. Tencent is the mega Chinese conglomerate that owns almost all the gaming industry. There's something to keep an eye on, too. They own so much of everything you love and, and care about. It's dangerous, actually. It's dangerous how much they own and how much control they have. No one should own that much of one thing. So that gave them a cash infusion. Because Epic Games 
while building a great engine that a lot of people used, it was not as commonly accepted or widely used because it wasn't as advanced as some others. And most people at the time, in 2014-15, wanted to stick to their native engines or whatever they were using, proprietary or not. People still use Unreal Engine. It's what kept them financially afloat. Infinity Blade, the mobile game, was super popular. We're talking about millions and millions of downloads at a two bucks a piece, and then the sequel spawning more downloads. I don't know about the third one. I don't think the third one did as well. So that helped, and a few other things. So it's not to say they weren't doing well, but that's kind of the brief origin. I don't know much about it, as you can tell, but that's that's what I do know, and those are some notable things. Because now, this is where it gets way more interesting. 2022 for Epic Games has probably been the most interesting year for them ever. It's probably been the largest expansive year they've ever had. But But there's one year that tops that. So let's get into it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate you coming by and listening. Got my new album on the way in development. It's called Dragon. It is a sequel to Chameleon, so go stream and check out Chameleon. Uh, I am, we are in uh, post-production of the new short film I've directed called A Way Out. So check out my YouTube channel at Psychic Productions, where I will hopefully, unless I'm not allowed to, be uploading that. And so much more content down the line. So thank you all for sticking around being so supportive. So, Epic Games. In 2017 was an odd year for the gaming industry. Now, if you go check out my The Decline of the Video Game Industry, The Fall of It, or whatever, that's the longest podcast I've ever recorded. I do cover this for a good chunk of it. But I'll reiterate and try to summarize. So in 2017, we had a multiple events going on in the video game industry. The apathy towards annualized franchises were hitting at an all-time high with the weak entry of Call of Duty World War II and a couple others from other franchises. We had the, the colossal fuck-up on EA's part of Star Wars Battlefront II resulting in one of the most uh, publicly downvoted Reddit posts of all time. Following that, later in the months, with the largest sweeping legislation actively targeting a video game practice we've seen in years, probably since MSRP. That's what it's called. No, not MSRP. That's (laughs) ESRB. Sorry. Getting my acronyms mixed up. ESRB. ESRB. I believe that's what it's called. The rating system on video games. Rated E for everyone, E10, uh, Teen, M, and uh, AO. I remember I used to live by those, by the way, when I was little, going to Blockbuster. I'm like, Dad, can I rent this game? He's like, only if it's E10 and down. I'm like, shit, it's Teen. You know, sometimes the teens were loud. It was like a racing game, you know, something a little more tame. There's only Teen for the explosions and such. So sometimes I felt like a fucking winner. <laughs> I had a Formula One racing game that was teen. I never understood why it was rated teen, but it was. It wasn't that it wasn't that violent or gruesome or explicit. No, no worse than a E10 game. It's very interesting how some of those games got rated. But M games, oh, Golden Isle, Golden Isle. 
think I got my first M game when I was 12. So, uh, and that was not easy. My parents were very hyper-focused on making sure. They didn't want to censor me too much, right? They were cool with music and films and television, but they also just knew I played a lot of video games and I loved them, and they didn't want it to really... Uh, they didn't want it to make me more aggressive. They weren't. They didn't believe in the bullshit like it makes you a school shooter. No, no, they're, they're not stupid. They just know it could make you more aggressive or agitated. So, you know, they they slowly crept the M games into me. I think they did a great job. I'll give them props or props to do. I'm a very well-rounded and adjusted gamer because of that. I have many friends or people I've met in my lifetime who are not healthy gamers. You know, I'll, I'll play more than the average adult. It's what I love to do on my free time, right? It's one of my ways of decompressing. Some people like to go out and party. Some people like to drink. Some people like to hang out with friends. I like to game and game with friends. I like to go out to go to movies and do other things, of course. But, you know, I like my video games. They give me, they take me to another world. They let me decompress. Like movies, like TV. Thank God I'm not a video game developer. You know, I already love rap music, so I'm fucking making rap music, and I already love films, and I'm a filmmaker. I love video games, so I'm not going to become a video game dev. So anyway, um, I'm glad they kind of had that, had me creep into it, though, because of, uh, it just gave me better control. I won't play video games, usually, unless, it's, unless I'm sick or unless it's a special occasion, unless I really am trying a brand spanking new game that I've been saving up or waiting for. Um, I won't play a game for, like, 8 to 10 hours straight. Like, I, I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but, like, I'm talking, like, middle school, high school, or even in college when you don't have anything to do and you're, you know, when you don't have work that day or when you don't have other assignments or something. And I don't stay up till... I stay up late, but I'm a night owl, but I don't, I never, like, in high school or middle school stayed up from, like, went from, like, 9 p.m. to 2, 3, 4 a.m. gaming, drinking Mountain Dew, and all, no, no, you know, about three, three and a half hours is my max mark, and then I take a break. Sometimes it's less, and every once in a while it's a little more, but that's usually the average that I can take, and then I'm like, okay, I need a breather, I'm gonna go do something else that I like, or do something I need to do, anyway. So that's a little fun fact about me. But some days, some days I just, you know. But uh, long story short, the rating system was the last legislative large that I know of um, that was enforced. And for good reason. Um, but uh, but this was different. Back in 2017, Star Wars Battlefront Two stepped the line, overcrossed. And, it, and I think the reason why it was so... It was caught by legislative uh, bodies throughout the world is because it's Star Wars. It's unfortunate that it had to be to a pretty well-made Star Wars game when all else is considered. But the game had gambling. It had egregious microtransactions policies. And so they were slapped left and right. Disney told them to change the structure. They did. It hurt the game. Changed the industry. It put pressure on devs and publishers to no longer do the loot boxes and the gambling mechanics that were in it. It told, and it also had them reduce some of the microtransactions, or it made it so if you're paying dollars for it, 
you have to know what you're buying, even if you're paying it to convert to the in-game currency premium, like COD points. Even if you bought $5 worth of 2,000 COD points, you don't buy a bundle that randomizes your loot chance. You go in the storefront and you buy that individual item. So that was going on on one side of the industry. Fatigue and apathy towards original games. People didn't want to keep spending $60 for games that constantly fucked them. And then, out of nowhere, a game drops for $40 in the dead of summer, in like June. And it crashes. <laughs> it's a game called Fortnite, and nobody fucking buys it or plays it. Two reasons why. It's $40 for a game that's a combination of Minecraft and whatever third-person cartoonish-looking zombie shooter. And it's where, in the course of a fortnight, you build a fort with your buddies and you defend it from zombies. Can be fun. Could be fun. Looks well-made. Looks polished. But not $40 fun. With minimal press and very little understanding of the mechanics and no reviews out, it just suffered from marketing itself. Even games that aren't very popular, as long as you can get some YouTubers that you trust to review it, which game developers will send out review copies if they're smart, um, and bigger outlets like IGN and such, regardless of how inaccurate or unfair they may be, gives you a good summary, at the very least, even if you don't look at their metric system, of what the game may entail. And it might give you an idea of what you want and what you don't. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. So, the perfect storm. Star Wars Battlefront 2, doing what it did, tanking faith in AAA video game developers, specifically in EA, and causing massive legislation to change the way microtransactions are utilized in video games at full price. Couple that with the apathy and fatigue of the video game market. Couple that with a very dry season of not many new video games, and um, and not to say that there weren't many great video games in 2017 that shook up the industry and that were great in their own right. It just wasn't as memorable. And this is why Fortnite was able to thrive and survive the way it did, because these kinds of games can get killed off instantly due to the circumstances. If Fortnite came out in late 2021. It's not that people wouldn't have liked it or wouldn't have played it. It's just that people wouldn't have played it as much. Right? I mean, look at it this way. Look at it as, uh, you know, if it came out, we would have had Halo Infinite, Battlefield 2042, Call of Duty Vanguard, and a handful of other games. And that's not saying those games are great. But they would have taken the time and energy away from gamers because as I discussed in my video game industry decline, gamers really only have the budget and time for maybe one to two main AAA full-price games that they're willing to save up and invest for through the year. Then a handful of games will try, and that depends on their subscription service and all that. It's very subjective, but it's usually a good rule of thumb to run off of. It's a safe bet. That's why so many games compete at the same time near Black Friday. So A, you get the game on sale, or you know you can very soon. And B, it's also so no one beats them to the punch. Fortnite beat them to the punch. Fortnite came out in the summer. However, at the time, it wasn't a free battle royale. 
Well, it was. It just didn't explode in that way. They were really pushing the $40 PvE mode, which I never played, so I can't speak on. But it looked bland. Not that it's bad. just looked so-so, same-same, everybody-knows-the-game sort of thing. And I think that's... I think that was a turnoff. So them making a free-to-play mode and them using PUBG's success to their own benefit with this Battle Royale genre. Now, let's make something perfectly clear, okay? PUBG was the first big game to be exclusively Battle Royale online, okay? That's fine to give them credit for that. However, they're not the first Battle Royale thing nor is Hunger Games. Nor is Hunger Games... Well, actually, Hunger Games Minecraft might be the first. But that was a mode of Minecraft, a mod. That wasn't necessarily a uh, standalone game solely designed around Battle Royale. Um, in fact, no other game has been. Daisy, Daisy sort of. But uh, PUBG is really the only game built from the ground up. Not. It's an expansion off the architecture of DayZ and ideas that came from that but it's its own thing Fortnite is a spin-off of its own thing from the PvE mode Call of Duty Warzone is a spin-off of COD Warzone Apex Legends well its own thing is directly tied to Titanfall rip to Titanfall Titanfall is a great multiplayer game if you've never played Titanfall play Titanfall 2 it's one of the best made multiplayer games of all time and it's highly underrated Perfectly balanced. It's extremely fun. It's fast-paced. It's actually on Game Pass, if you have that. If you have Game Pass Ultimate um, or EA Play. Um, and it's worth it. People still play it. It's still fun. Uh, I think there have been more hacking issues. I feel like... I think their servers are going to go offline. Or maybe... Oh, no, it's the first one. Titanfall 1, which is a shame, but it's okay. Um, Titanfall is a phenomenal game. And I wish... I'm going to be honest with you. I know Apex Legends is great for what it is. And there's no shame in it. I, I wish they would just take a breather on that and Respawn can make Titanfall 3 instead of being thrown four Star Wars games. I don't think any studio should develop four Star Wars games. It's ridiculous. They're good because EA gives them money and time to make what they need. Titanfall 2 came out in like 2016. Phenomenal game. Jedi Fallen Order came out in 2019. And I think Apex Legends came out a little before Jedi Fallen Order. Or maybe it was after. I don't even know anymore. So, but just so you know, Titanfall 3 was scrapped so Apex Legends could be made. And I'm not happy about that. I wish they would have made Titanfall 3 and added Apex as a battle royale mode in it to bring people into the Titanfall franchise because it stands head and shoulders above most FPS multiplayer uh, arena games and there's nothing like it 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 should get the popularity and the eyes on it that COD and Battlefield have because it is that good there's my rant for Titanfall I do have a podcast talking about fr- Titanfall and the, and the franchise as a whole so please go check that out because I do have a lot more to say on that so go go check out my Titanfall podcast because it's a great game anyway moving on so we had this this perfect storm Right, that created Fortnite, uh, and not that it blew up instantly. It didn't. It took a year for it to become popular. It's just that it was there. 
It really wasn't. I remember. I remember. I, I swear to God, I was one of the first people to play it. I don't know how many people played it on its initial release week, so I can't say on that term, but I played it the week it came out. This, I think the second day it came out, I heard about it. I was bored. It was the middle of July. I had nothing to do. I, I wasn't a rapper at the time. I was. I was writing Superdome, my first mixtape, but it wasn't. It was very, very rough stages. Uh, I finished making a film that that summer, and um, yeah, so I was just chilling, looking for new games and things to 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 entertain myself with. So I was browsing the Xbox, uh, the Microsoft Xbox Store, whatever, online to see if there's anything free because I didn't feel like spending money. And this is a time, remember, I mean, 2017, there wasn't many free-to-play games. And most of them were, like, child stuff. And Game Pass wasn't a thing, and hardly a thing. It was just starting. And I wasn't subscribed to it at the time because it just didn't have what I wanted. It's now worth it. Go get it. Um, right? So, just browsing. And I saw this thing called Fortnite. And I heard about this. And this is around the time Battleborn. If anyone remembers that game, that was a game... From Gearbox Studios, I believe. Um, makers of Borderlands. That was their attempt at an Overwatch. And it actually looked very interesting. And I got myself really hyped up and did a lot of research. And I overhyped myself thinking, this could actually be really fun. I like Borderlands. I like the devs. This looks really unique and cool. Coming out in summer. So we got something to play over the summer. Yeah, 40 bucks too. Eh, it's not too shabby. It's not 60 Tanked. People hated it. They're like, this is the most bland, boring, copy-paste bullshit. That, that game died so fucking quickly. That is the same time as Fortnite. And I'm pretty sure people got it confused with Fortnite. Because the animation style looks similar. Gameplay, completely different. But animation looks similar. So this $40 PvE, zombies building building forts again to protect against cartoonish zombies and shooting them. It was okay. But I, I didn't want to invest in that. But they didn't make you have to buy that mode to play the P the multiplayer PvP Battle Royale mode. And I had PUBGs at this time. And, uh, oh, and Call of Duty Blackout. I'm sorry, I forgot. That's a whole other thing. COD Blackout already. COD beat Fortnite to it. Um, I think. No, they didn't. COD Blackout was four months after four, uh, COD, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 4 came out in November of 2017. I'm going off rough memory here, folks. It could be 2018. I could be getting my entire years mixed up. But I believe... I believe it was 2017. No. No, it was 2018. Anyway, 17-18. Uh, Fortnite was between that time, too. That time is a blur. It's a very, very busy and weird time in my life. Anyway, so 2017-2018 is this time frame I'm talking about. So if I get anything wrong, please please forgive me. Let's just look it up real quick. Let's just see. Fortnite came out. When did it come out? Sorry. 2017. Okay, so I'm right. So I think Black Ops did come out in 2000, either late 2017 or 2018. My point is it came out after Fortnite, Black Ops 4, which had their first Battle Royale entry called Blackout. It's now forget forgotten. So. From that, they were heavily inspired 
by Fortnite. But before we get into that, Fortnite had this free Battle Royale mode, and I tried it in the first week, and it was okay, it was fun. And I'm like, actually, this is very well polished. It runs smoothly, and it's kind of fun. I don't love Battle Royales. It's not really my style, but it's okay. So Fortnite blew up in popularity. I started playing it, and it was really good. I didn't get into it as much as my friends, but I played it for a bit. Mostly playing Rainbow Six Siege. And then it started to get so much more popular. I don't know why. I think because it was free. I think because some... I think it's the multiplayer, the Battle Royale type. That genre is people against people, that competitive nature. And it was unique because it wasn't just shooting people. It was building and shooting and it was kid-friendly and it was... Props or props are due, and I'll always give Fortnite props for this. They broke open the industry into more widely accepting crossplay. It was crossplay on everything very quickly, and it worked buttery smooth. I'm talking PlayStation, Xbox, PC, Nintendo Switch, all the way through and through, once Nintendo Switch came out, all the way through and through, um... mobile later ios and android and all of them are cross-play so your buddy uh or your your kid or your cousin or your little brother or whomever could play on their ipad even pair a controller to it and play with you while you're playing on your xbox or playstation or pc now i'm not gonna say it was perfect it wasn't always perfect but for the most part it ran very smoothly very smoothly. So, it was well designed, it ran smoothly, and it was accessible to all. Sure, it was violent. Sure, it was about killing other people, but it wasn't gruesome, it wasn't too violent. So I think it got the E10 slap. It's more cartoonish violence, right? And because of that, that made it even more accessible. But I do want to highlight the Fortnite has polish. It runs smoothly, and it's never not. I've ne I haven't played much of it, so I can't speak fully. I've probably logged about a total of five hours, six, maybe maybe more, over the what over the time it's, it's been out for five years now. So that's yeah, 2017. Um, I've probably logged a little over 10 hours. So I'm I'm really telling you guys, I don't play this game. It's just not my style. I have nothing against it for those who love it. It's just not me. Okay, but I have I did play it in the beginning for a little bit on and off, and I have played it a little bit on and off ever since, mostly just because friends are playing it, and that's all they'll play. And I'm like, okay, fine, I'll fold. And it's free. That's the other thing. Did I mention that? It's free, and it works. So... That is that is stuff I would applaud a Fortnite for. It is fun. It is unique. Now, uh, now that we see it, I mean, it's so popular, right? Its peak was probably 2018, 2019. That was its absolute breaking point peak. There was nothing that would stop or slow the momentum of that down. It squashed over everything. And the reason why PUBG didn't 
didn't stay in the know, even though PUBG was first and people respected it and they understood it and it was more an adult version of Fortnite and for Battle Royales that was taking over the genre and that's all people were playing at the time. I mean, we're talking for three whole years, the majority of gameplay, hours spent logged in were Battle Royale games, okay? And so from an industry standpoint, the industry was shooketh. Because they had no fucking idea what to do with themselves. Because when you're developing a game, you're thinking, you're do it takes two to three years if you're a good person and you let their, the dev time appropriate. Now, some may take more, some may take less, but usually it's two or three years for your average games like that. Multiplayer shooter games or multiplayer suite games. And so, I mean... COD and, and Battlefield, all of these games were taken by surprise because this genre exploded in popularity in eight months. In eight months, it started to explode in popularity in the way that shifts the industry. Rainbow Six Siege, kudos to them, they didn't fucking budge. They just kept doing what they were doing and did it better and better, and each season kept dropping from 2017, 2018, 19, and they just improved their fucking game. They didn't make a battle royale mode. They didn't cave. They didn't make it free to play. They didn't do any of that shit. Good on them. Not to say I didn't want any other modes and, and things, but Ubisoft could have pulled some bullshit, and they're doing it now, just so you know. Ubisoft is now doing something called Ghost Recon Frontlines. Oh. As if the Ghost Recon franchise hasn't been getting fucked sideways since Breakpoint. Wildlands is an exception. Wildlands is really good. It is open world. It's a little less tactical than some would like, but it's actually very fun. Co-op, open world, one of the better shooters out there. And it's a little casual tactical hybrid. It's not as tactical as the OG games, and it's not what everyone wants, but it's actually quite good for what it is. But Breakpoint just said, oh, fuck that. It's now kind of like Division. And now this new Ghost Recon Frontlands is first-person fucking Battle Royale. I don't even know why they're attaching Tom Clancy Ghost Recon name to it. Why can't they just make it their own Battle Royale game? Ubisoft doesn't need to make it a Tom Clancy game. You can just make it a Battle Royale game. Anyway, rant over on that part. So, Battle Royale is a popular genre. Industry was shooketh. They didn't know what to do. They were twisted. They were like, wait... Because they were mid or finished development on their games. I mean, at this point, you got the new CODs and the new all these things coming out. Blackout had just enough time to pivot, and they cut some things around, and they re-emphasized, and they made... Or, I'm sorry, Black Ops 4, and they put Blackout in there. That's actually a really fun game mode. The game was shit. Like, Black Ops 4, I don't care who... I mean, it was okay. It's better than Vanguard, and it's sure as shit better than Cold War, but... Ah... I don't know. It's not that good. I mean, it's not that good. It's just not. But Blackout was actually a pretty good mode. I actually liked Blackout more than Fortnite. I Twitch streamed it back in the day because it was just a little more tactical, a little faster pace, more fluid, but it, and it was really fun. However, it wasn't free-to-play. It wasn't its own separate standalone free-to-play. You had to buy Black Ops 4. That put a hindrance on it, especially since these games are annualized. Fortnite isn't annualized. It's free. You could pick it up and play it right now if you want. It's improved. It's different, but you, it's still the same game. You don't have to buy a new game. You don't have to hope that you lose your pro None of that bullshit. PUBG was drowning. PUBG was okay because, uh, because PUBG was well-made 
to an extent and had a good idea and it got a lot of people excited quickly, they lost their momentum for two reasons. A, Fortnite, and then B, their game is buggy as shit and they didn't address it. They added new features, new guns, new modes. They ported it to Xbox. Great. It's hardly playable. To this day, it's still buggy and glitchy and, and just not as fluid. And that makes a difference. Look at TikTok. Look at the app TikTok. If you, if you have that app, go to that, go to Instagram. What feels better when you're scrolling, swiping, and using it? TikTok. TikTok feels inherently better. There's a reason why people are there longer now. It's more fluid. It's snappier. It doesn't glitch out. Instagram has glitches every fucking day. Loading in and out. Buffering. Recycling the same post because it doesn't realize you refresh. Um, icons and logos going blank. Stuttering in and out. Freezing. Heating up your phone. Crashing. Instagram is buggy. Now, Instagram has years and years and years and years of worth of what I would assume to be a lot of data and weight on it. But TikTok is pretty streamlined and fast. Now, TikTok is having its own issues right now that I think should be addressed, but that's a whole other uh, issue for another day. Um, anywho, that makes a difference. The fluidity and the comfort in which the user experience has. Games and apps and anything you use that involves some sort of level of engagement to that extent is very, very important to the success of whatever you're designing. Web design has to follow this philosophy every year. They have to update and change shit so it's more fluid. If you have a website designed from 2007, and it may still have all the essential info about whatever you're putting on there, great, uh, no one's going to want to go there. Because the graphics, the art design, the fluidity, the literal structure, the way it's built is probably just not good enough for what we're used to now. If you do not optimize your website at any way to be mobile friendly, and sometimes it's hard, especially with these free website builders, so I don't blame you. It is difficult. Trust me, my website ain't perfect for this, um, but it's okay. I really did try to make it, I made it its own unique thing. I, I designed, so I when I made my Psychic website, and check it out, Psychic, uh, but anyway, when I made the website, uh, it's got all my content, it's got everything you need from it, and it's great. However, it's really good on desktop and all that. I mean, I think it is. It's not perfect, but it's good for what I've got going right now. And then mobile was a little janky at first, and I had to go and redesign it from the ground up. I don't mean, like, everything from scratch. I mean, I still use it, but I had to rearrange and organize and restructure the same website that was on desktop because it just doesn't conform vertically, and it's not fluid. Now it's much better, so much better than it was. So it's good. It's not perfect. It's not going to be TikTok fluidity quality. But I, I just don't know how to explain it to you guys. But when you use TikTok, it's extremely fluid. It's, it's, it's the main reason why I like being there. I also like the videos. But you know what I mean? It's just like it's very, very well polished. And Fortnite has that edge above PUBG. And it's, and it's free. PUBG was never free. PUBG was $30. Okay, sure, it wasn't full price of a game. Who's going to pay $30 for a buggy, glitchy map? And I mean buggy to and graphically poor. Like, it's sharp. It, it's not sharp. It's not polished. There's no thing. And you feel like if you run it too long, whatever device you're running it on will explode. Right? It's like a fucking 97 Pontiac. Whereas Fortnite's a 2015 Bentley. So, that's my point. It's just not fluid. And so the price tag, the less user 
interface and also Fortnite appealed to kids and when you get the kids into the game you're you got it you got them locked in if you get the ages 9 10 11 all the way through 17 18 19 you're good you never have to worry about if you get them to consistently want to keep playing get their friends to play it's over <laughs> it's over now the big question at the time was how do they make their money they had microtransactions and cosmetics, but why was Fortnite never flagged for this? While at the same time, EA damn near, they went under a lot of legal purview and got their wrists slapped many times. Here's the difference. Fortnite was smart. I will also give them credit for this. They do deserve a lot of credit in blazing trails and trends in the video game industry we see today, even if you don't love the game. They're not the first to do it, but they're, they're the first to do it in a popular way and to do it in a very smart way they had microtransactions a shit ton and they still do it's how they make money it, it's a franchise that churns billions of dollars for epic games now i mean it's a it's a billion dollar franchise now i believe if i'm not mistaken so uh, fortnite's huge right here's the thing it, it has microtransactions because the base game's free to play and nothing you buy changes the progress and access to the gameplay itself and they still have held true to that. You cannot buy a weapon, an item, a, a glider, or whatever, a skin, or a region on the map. You can't buy any of that that actually changes how you play. It doesn't give you stat bonuses. This weapon doesn't give you more damage. That. No, all the weapons are the same. Kind of like Halo. Halo deserves credit for that too. Halo's arena style is you pick up the weapon or you get started with the weapon. Everyone's weapon, if you have the same weapon, is the same. If you have the assault rifle and I have the assault rifle, it's the exact fucking same. COD is different. COD would suffer if it was like that. That's what... COD needs the weapon diversity, as does Battlefield, but... Just don't put it behind paywalls. There's a time where COD was, oh, you want to buy this gun or this red dot sight for a dollar? What? 99 cents for a red dot site? Are you shitting me? We already paid $60 for your game. What the fuck? You, you know what I mean? So Fortnite had microtransactions. But it wasn't loot box, randomized gambling bullshit. You buy their premium currency, V-Bucks. And you could buy exclusive skins that are in the store. Cosmetics to make your character look different. Skins and... and charms and cosmetics for your items and your weapons and stuff but it doesn't change the progress or the effect of anything and then if you really wanted to you, you pay a, a little more but get way more over time for the battle pass now i don't know if any other game had a system like this and but if they did it wasn't as popular as what fortnite did fortnite had a battle pass it had two tiers, free and premium. Free gave you a few things, incentivized you to just keep playing. The time you put in, you get a few cool items down the road. Great. Not a lot, though. Premium, you got a lot. A lot more. For 10 or 15 bucks worth of V-Bucks, you know, for a course of a season, you know, lasting probably three months to, to six months, maybe. Maybe even a year. I don't remember. I don't know what it is now. You get all these exclusive skins, charms, things. And you get more V-Bucks in it. So you might be able to just recoup some of your costs already. It's a very smart structure. So that encouraged people to play because you still need to play and progress through it. So 
because game developers also realize if they just buy what they want, then they don't keep playing and grinding for it, so we lose a person playing our game. And they need that just as much as they need someone to buy something. Buying is temporary. Playing is forever. So they need both. They need the buying, but they also need people to keep playing their damn game. If you're not going to play it because of the content or because if you want to play it, then you better be playing it for something you want to unlock. That's fine. It's fine to grind or want to unlock something. I'm playing MLB The Show 22. The grind is insane. It's actually a little unbalanced. I do have some comments on that, and I'll make a video soon. Or a video, a podcast about that, not a video. But, um, but yeah. So, they did that. It was very successful, and it's still going today. Warzone came out, free-to-play, separate from COD, but still Call of Duty Modern Warfare Mechanics. Came out a couple months after Modern Warfare 2019 success, and it was incredible. And they, and they copied Fortnite a lot of the time, but it was their own Battle Royale mode. And so it was Fortnite and Warzone. Anyway, needless to say, Fortnite was an explosive Battle Royale genre. It's still going strong today. It's not as strong as it used to be, but it's still super strong, and it helped Epic Games propel themselves into new realms financially and commercially that they never thought they could probably be at. So as of 2022, where is Epic Games going? This is where it gets interesting. Okay, so after Fortnite, right, where we are today, Epic Games is something to keep an eye on. Unreal Engine, Rocket League, great game by the way. Rocket League went free to play uh, last year, maybe two years ago handful of other games and developers they've acquired, but that's not all. Tencent owns a good chunk of them, which I talked about in the beginning, as well as they own a good chunk of Gearbox and all of that. So there are some acquisitions at play. But here's the bigger thing. Here's the reason why I made this podcast. So if you made it to this point, good job. You had to hear all the, the shit leading up to this. Epic Games is going to be a monopoly with intent to be so. The best way I could describe it is back in 1918 through 1925, the Trust Foundation, started by Thomas Edison in New Jersey, was a was the first, one of the first American film studios. Now, it's all well and good, but the problem with the Trust Foundation, or whatever it was called, the Trust LL, I don't know, the studio, is that it controlled three main proponents to making film. It controlled the equipment, it controlled the distribution of film, and it controlled the creatives in terms of who's hired the, you know, studio-wise. Like, oh, you're under our studio, you're our director and writer for this film. That's a monopoly. America understood it as such, the, the, the U.S. government, and told them later, okay, you can only have two of the three. So they, uh, they voided the, I believe they voided control of distribution. They kept power of equipment and making their own films. Eventually they went under. But in the process of all that, two, a handful, many people, but two important figures had an exodus from trust in New Jersey and decided to go in the sunny spot with ideal temperate climates for shooting outside with plenty of space called Hollywood. Both of them, I forget their names off the top, uh, 
Zuckerman? Z Z anyway, one of them went off to make something you know now as 20th Century Fox, and the other one went and did Paramount. So those are where those two studios are built from. My point is, Trust had a monopoly. A clear monopoly. People talk about, oh, Microsoft has a monopoly. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they do. We don't have enough monopoly laws to restrict the control of, of, of things. Amazon, Disney, Microsoft, they all have monopolies. They have too much control and power. And while there is competition, and that's how they get away, they're like, well, there's still competition. We're lying to ourselves to think that the competition is genuinely a threat to them. And they have so much buying power, they just buy the rights, the ideas, right out from under people who do pose a threat. So that is a genuine issue. They should not have this much control. It's never good for the creatives, and it's never good for the people, the consumers. However, regardless of all that, it's not like Disney... You know, let's use them for example. I'm not saying that they're not monopoly-like. I do believe they are very much a monopoly, and they do need to be broken up or restructured in a way so they don't have so much direct control over so much we know and have too much money to just throw anywhere. But let's talk about Disney films, okay? They do have control over the creative side. They do have control over somewhat of the distribution. And that's why they're not a monopoly in film. They are, but that's why by common laws they're just not considered as such because they don't own the equipment per se. They might own some. They might be designing behind it, but they don't solely make the film equipment that's used to shoot their movies and TV shows. And they don't fully own every movie theater. They don't own... Uh, Blu-ray... They're not Blu-ray... They don't make the Blu-ray videos for all movies. You know what I mean? And there are other big companies that do compete with them, like Warner Bros., like these other things. So, uh, like Paramount and, and others. Like what 20th Century Fox used to do before Disney bought them, and that shouldn't have been allowed. Marvel and Pixar and Star Wars Acquisition were all really big and did make them more powerful, but, but them buying 20th Century Fox, buying one of the big five, that's too big of an overstep. Microsoft, buying Bethesda was a huge step, but I could even see that since Bethesda really only makes games every few years and they, they do have their own market and they're great, but they're not as, they cannot threaten Microsoft in their own right, right? Can't threaten Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo. But Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard, that's too much. I'm happy for, as a Game Pass fan, as a Game Pass user, as a consumer, but long term, I don't think it's good, and uh, and, uh, and it's too much. Uh, you can't have, you can't own Candy Crush, Call of Duty, Minecraft, all of Bethesda, all of Blizzard, Diablo, World of Warcraft, and then your own stuff, right? Halo, Sea of Thieves, etc. That's just too much, and I'm missing out a lot of stuff in between. Um, that's too much. They own way too much now. They also own the software that most PC games run on. Not Steam, they own Windows. So, they have, Microsoft 
probably has the largest stake in the gaming market out there. Because if you're on a PC player, which a lot of people are, uh, you're using Windows 99% of the time. And if you have an Xbox or Xbox Game Pass or any of those, it's under Microsoft. If you are strictly playing on PlayStation and you don't have any of those other things, okay, you're in Sony's purview. If you strictly have Nintendo, okay, you're in Nintendo's purview. But Microsoft has a lot of control. And they have too much control over franchises and IPs that we hold dear. So that's, that's a new threat. Um, they want to pull the plug on something they can and nothing's stopping them, except money. If it doesn't make money, it's too much. I mean, Activision Blizzard was too powerful on their own. I hope that, it, that this acquisition that Microsoft has will improve the games, will improve the con, uh, consumer playing those games, and improve the, the horrendous workplace for Activision Blizzard. I really do. I really hope nothing but good comes of it. And of all companies to acquire, that's the one. But holy shit, for $73 billion, that's as much as what Disney bought 20th Century Fox. And 20th Century Fox, people, is not something you just fuck around with. They are one of the five, were one of the five biggest film studios that had license control over The Simpsons, Family Guy, Aliens. I'm missing so much more. Deadpool, Wolverine, all that. Just a billion other things that I can't even I I can't even come up with off the top. But you all know the 20th Century Fox logo. In fact, funny enough, in the 80s and 90s, they owned Star Wars. (laughs) They owned Lucasfilm. That's Star Wars was under 20th Century Fox. So whenever you watch Star Wars, you'll see that logo. So technically, Disney never needed to buy Star Wars individually. They just would have gotten it bundled with 20th Century Fox if they never did. But, you know, time is time. Anywho, so those are things to keep out for. So my point is, those are monopolies. They control too much already. But they're not fully considered monopolies in the eyes of law, unfortunately. Epic Games is doing something where I think they are going to get slapped because they're not being careful. Here's the thing. They're buying and acquiring studios... Fully, and it's quite a few studios, and they have a shit ton of money now. Okay, don't don't think they don't. Fortnite is one of the most profitable games for the past five years, consistently, of all time. So that's that, and that's just one of their IPs. That's not counting Rocket League and a bunch of other games they have. They also have the Epic Game Store, which has been out for a little while on PC, and it's their own thing, and they get a cut of the percentage of the game, and they don't have every game there. It's a very, very exclusive market. You can only get certain games there. Like, you can only play Rocket League on PC if you download the Epic Games Launcher. It's worth it. Rocket League is great. It is worth it. But still, it's just it's just one thing you got to keep in mind. Um, I think they just struck a deal with Insurgency Sandstorm. I've been seeing more uh, Epic Games partnering with Insurgency Sandstorm, which is a great tactical shooter. I do have a podcast on that. Go check it out. Uh, they don't... I don't think they own it, but they might now. They might have bought Focus, whatever it's called, Focus Interactive, the parent company to the devs of of that, of Insurgency. They might have. So they may own, they may control Insurgency Sandstorm. Not a big fan of that. Um, handful of other things. But those are games. They're actually a little lighter on the side of 
owning and creating games, but they're still doing it. And the one big flagship of theirs is the biggest game of all time. One of the biggest financially and commercially. So, yeah. That's the games. Moving on from that, their own launcher, and then Unreal Engine. And, I'm, and I mentioned this before. Unreal Engine is phenomenal. It is a, an amazing tool that game developers use. It is updated every few years. It, it, it's just cutting-edge industry practices, and it's accessible and not easy, but easily accessible to use and to learn over time. It's free. Now, there are tiers that you could buy into it for more features, but a lot of it to develop stuff is free. To Not just to game devs, to anyone. You could go on your computer right now if you have the hardware that could boast a game engine creator. It's a video game engine that's designed for creating video games and or movies and animation and rigging and stuff like that. But you can. It's free. Just set up an account and you download it. I have it downloaded. I'm too stupid to know how to use it, but I like it. I like playing around with it and figuring it out. I'm a filmmaker. It's really cool. It's an incredible tool, and they're only improving it and making it more consumer-friendly so people could pick up and just make something quick of it. It's a very good tool, and beyond that, from a professional standard, it's used to design a lot of games. A lot of games are built in what you hear of Unreal Engine. That's, that's owned by Epic Games. So anytime they own a percent, they own the engine... So they, they get the proceedings when you're using it. If you use a more premium version of it, they also probably get a cut of the percentage of the game sales. Very small. I would assume like 1% to 5%. I don't know that. There's no... I have no confirmation on that. I haven't read a contract. I don't know that at fucking all. So do not hold me on that. I'm just guessing that they must have some sort of percentage of monetary gain from that. Very small, but it adds up when so many games are developed on that. A lot, a lot of stuff. And that's good because it's actually a very and very robust, accessible, and and unique way to learn video game design and graphic design. And it's accessible. It's free and it's it's somewhat easy to learn from. Big community too. I think that's really good to have. I think it's really cool and important. They've already built it, it's their engine. For them to allow other people to utilize it and not make it proprietary to the company is great. But that's not all they do. Because now they bought something called Bandcamp. They just acquired all of Bandcamp. And if you don't know what Bandcamp is, it is a social media platform for artists and musicians like myself where we could put our music up there and people could either go listen straight there or whatever. It's like a blog space. It's kind of like Facebook or Twitter or social media, but it's mainly meant for musicians and artists to network, to interact, and it was blowing up in popularity. And its trends and the things that they're adding to it is going to make it the place to be so you can get your music heard. <clears throat> it's not a SoundCloud. It can be, maybe, but it's not really a SoundCloud. It's a way, it's a very healthy, streamlined way of collaboration and networking and promoting your music. Very important for people who make music, like myself. Epic Games acquired it fully Two weeks ago. Uh, no, no knowledge to why they're doing that, but I can only surmise that they're trying to. Well, in their in their statement, they did say they're trying to make a better creative space. They're essentially trying to become the next Adobe Creative Suite. 
You just got the architecture and foundation of an incredible music, social media, networking, sharing platform. They have the game engine that's extremely advanced and very hard. That would probably be the hardest for any other company to figure out. So they already had, they started with that. And it does animation, it does, it can do film, but more so it's animated. They now have music. Uh, I will guarantee, I fucking guarantee you in the next five years, they will either make or acquire a video editing software. If they don't already own one that I don't know about. Um, some sort of simple, you know, your iMovies, your Final Cuts, your Adobe Premieres, your InShots, whatever. Whatever you use to edit videos, if you do, if you know about any of those, which you probably do, I would not be surprised that they either make their own or acquire one. They're not going to acquire Final Cut or Adobe Premiere or... No. They're not going to acquire any of those, but they, they will either make their own or acquire a small one, kind of like what Bandcamp is. Bandcamp's great, but it's really small, just so they have the bones, the foundation to build off of it. Now, in some ways, this is great, because knowing how they use Unreal Engine, it means they're going to expand and invest in these creative suites so more people, specifically kids, can learn these for free. And it's not bullshit, it's not restricting them, it's well made, it's polished, and it works really well, and they can create stuff. And that's a beautiful thing. And it really is their philosophy. Look at Fortnite. Fortnite is accessible, it's available, it's well built, and it's polished. Unreal Engine is accessible, it's free, as is Fortnite. It's designed to be, it's complicated, but it can be learned at a young age if you put the time and energy and really want to do it, right? If, it, if you want to become a game designer, it's there and it's an amazing tool, right? You don't have to pay $200. You don't have to pay $400. You don't have to learn. You don't have to go through a college course to learn it. That's important, and I think that's vital for the creative community. I'm part of it. I understand the woes of, of the creative community, and when you're young and you're learning these things, I started learning film at 10, so finding these applications in these ways, and if I had Unreal Engine and I got to be able to learn it when I was 10, oh my god, I'd be so happy. 22, and I'm just starting to figure it out because it's pretty new, and uh, I have a PC that can now handle it, right? So it's a combination of factors, but my point is it's an incredible tool, no doubt, and I am happy that it's there. I'm just worried that one company owns this stuff, one company makes the decisions, and they also have control over other things people love and use. That's when it's too much. If they were just making these creative suites, eh, don't love it, but it's okay. I don't love that Adobe has c control over so many people's creative life like that. Right? It's not the end of the world. But Epic Games is making their own creative suite. Fine, except the fact that... Uh, and they're gonna, you know, so they've got music, they're gonna get film... I might add another thing in there, but then they have video game, music, video film editing, right? Then they have their own storefront, it's already there for games and stuff, as well as the Unreal Engine, that's where you download that. And then they make and acquire their own studios and games. They don't make hardware to play video games on. They don't really need to, but they don't. If they did that, then I feel like that would make such a big flag that would that would be stopped but my point is they're doing all this and it's gonna be okay because it's getting slipping right by people 
Now, Microsoft is just now under scrutiny by Congress, so maybe it just takes time for them to catch up. But Microsoft owns Windows software. They own... Now, Xbox owning their own proprietary engines or using others, that's fine. Um, they develop their own games. They have bought so many other games and, organ- and companies and, and just absorbed them. So that's, that's where it gets hairy. They have the Game Pass subscription service that is the only one on the market that is as good and it works as well. PlayStation doesn't have theirs up yet. So they're a monopoly in that front. Uh, don't tell me Google Stadia and whatever Nintendo's doing now. Uh, nothing competes with it. It is the Netflix of video gaming and there's nothing else out there, right? They, they develop hardware. They develop hardware accessories. So they do have a lot of control. Epic Games is... Now, to be fair, they don't have music editing. and I mean, they do maybe through Microsoft computer programming, but that's a separate entity. It's not part of their gaming sphere. But as a corporation as a whole, they control a lot of shit. The fact that they don't produce movies is surprising. But it's good. That would put them in a lot of hairy positions. Sony, Sony makes movies and television. They also make equipment for filming. So they actually, they don't control distribution. That's why Sony Film, I think, hasn't made, because they control creative, they control equipment. So that, that's where Sony has an edge. That's where their market is. And they're not the biggest film studio either, so they're also not. But they, they're one of the only film studios that, that creates films that also makes the film equipment. In fact, y- you could buy a Sony camera, and, and Sony cameras are used in the film industry, and Sony equipment. I, there's no Warner Bros. camera. There's no Disney camera. Now, Ari and Red and a couple other companies are more used than Sony, but Sony's there, and they have their own things, and people do use them, Panavision and such. So my point is that when you look at monopolies, when you look at too much control, you can see all these things happening. And what Epic Games is doing is they are acquiring and structuring themselves for the next five years to become the place to be. That's okay to an extent, but it feels like it's overreaching. They just partnered with Lego. Partnered. They didn't buy Lego. They didn't acquire... If they, I don't think you could acquire Lego. I, think, I don't think anyone's pockets are deep enough. When <laughs> you look at Lego... Lego could probably buy someone else, but I don't think anyone could buy Lego. Maybe Microsoft. They wouldn't be allowed to, but that would be they would be stopped immediately. Um, uh, my point is, though, that uh, them just partnering gives access and IP and creative fluidity between both branches. Epic Games primarily is geared towards video games and they're not going to change that so that tells me that they're going to start making lego video games which is a shame because tt games is doing great and uh i don't know about you but i've heard lego star wars skywalker is doing pretty good i haven't bought it yet i want to but i'm going to wait on it a little while uh just to save money but um but yeah those games are my childhood so i'm looking forward to getting my hands on that um so yeah, I don't know exactly what that means for Epic Games, but them doing what they do, and, I, and I'm and i pretty sure they now own Insurgency Sandstorm, which is one of my favorite tactical shooters. And in fact, I'm just going to look it up real quick. Because that's an issue, people. These are these 
kind of snowball into large issues of when only a handful of companies own everything you love to, to, to watch or, or play or do, it's not good. So Focus Entertainment is the company behind Insurgency Sandstorm. Uh, Focus Entertainment has many games under their belt, such as, here we go, A Plague Tale Innocence, um, they have Warhammer Space Marine, Evil West, Insurgency Sandstorm, Hood Outlaws, Aliens Fireteam, World War Z, Aftermath, SnowRunner, the list goes on. Um, you know, it's not like a crap ton, but they do, they do own... So they're behind a lot of the Warhammer games, which I didn't know till now. But yeah, Necromant, The Surge. You know what? This all kind of adds up now that I look at their style of games. Vampire, Creepfall, like all their, their art style is very similar. It's actually kind of interesting. When you look at the covers of all these games, you can tell they're connectively, connective tissue. Surge is a great game, by the way, people. Go play The Surge if you haven't. Anyway, they own a handful of things. Techromancer, The Surge, they... They're very similar. That's interesting. So my point is, I don't like usually looking this stuff up, but I was very curious and I don't know. So, so anyway, Focus Entertainment people, great, uh, great studio. They do they do quality work. Um, but Epic Games owns a lot more than you may be aware of, and they're growing and they're growing quietly. So they have Unreal Engine. They have Fortnite. Rocket League, they own. They own the company that makes Rocket League. They also own Robo Recall, which is a VR game, which is super cool. Um, they own Fall Guys. They, they made Fall Guys, Shadow Complex, and Unreal Tournament. Okay, so th that's a lot already. Those are just the games. Um, so they're doing a lot of good things for the community. But they, they have a lot of money and accessibility to things. And to an extent, it's, it's, it can be good and it can be helpful. But I only see danger in, in ahead because they, they just have too much. I think they also own Gearbox, so anything Borderlands related is under them. So they have their own original games that they make and they have the companies they own, right? Much like others. So these are things to keep in mind, folks. Epic Games is, in, is a pretty cool company for what it's doing right now and, and does do a lot of great things for the industry and there's no doubt about it and I'm not hating on the people. I am just saying let's keep an eye on them. They're getting bigger by the year. They're getting more influential and powerful and they're dipping their hands in places where they probably shouldn't be. If they just stuck to games and, and game engine, that's still a stretch but it's okay but music, and they're probably going to do video, and they're making collaborations, all these things. It's just a lot of power hidden. And that's the thing. Microsoft has been in the forefront. I mean, when Microsoft makes a move, everyone hears them fart, cough, and breathe, right? So, sure, they can make moves, but they, they don't feel like they can do it with so much discretion. And that's good. Keeps them in check, and they're trying to do the best they can. I'm not going to hate on them. I don't love everything they do. I don't love how much control they have. Uh, but, you know, they, it is what it is. 
but for Epic Games, they also seem like lovely, like a well-polished and and respectful company and community behind it. But they're going to start making moves unilaterally that hurts everyone. So keep an eye on Epic Games becoming a monopoly. For real. Do some research. Look them up. And look up other things you love. Supercell is owned by Tencent. Tencent. Look at Tencent. I'll do a whole podcast on them at some point. I gotta do way more research on that. They own like 40% of all games in the world. They are a monopoly. They're a conglomerate. They're just not under U.S. purview. They're in China. So they're different laws over there. Now we can slap them when they come here. They don't have as much control in the U in the states, but they still do have enough. They own good percentage stake in every gaming company. I'm not sure about Microsoft. I think they will now because they have a stake in Blizzard, but we'll see. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I appreciate all the love and support as always. Stay tuned for more. I'm going to do an episode on mobile games and a bunch of other stuff coming down the line. So thank you once again. Have a good day. And until next time.